everyone. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. This episode is another bananas, long, lots of stuff happening. Yeah. Multiple states. We're just going to dive right in. Okay. I don't know what else to say. Never mind. There's, there's, what, what did you want to say? Well, I had a whole full thing I wanted to open the show with, like a monologue, but I'll save it for the end. That's fine. It's fine. It's a new thing I'm trying to start called Katie Pontificates, and it's the first 10 minutes of the episode. That way I can ensure we get lots of new listeners. And great iTunes comments. Yeah. I love the way they never start the episode until 20 minutes in. Right. That's my favorite part. I come to listen to a murder case that I just heard about on Dateline. And instead, I hear about Katie getting into a fight with a cat lady at the 99 cent store. You're Get welcome. to the story, ladies. All right. I'm here. Let's go. Okay. This episode is called The House on the Hill. It aired February 28th, 2020. I think it's season 28, episode 20. I'm getting a little confused. 19. But I think that's right. 19. 19? See, was... I had Where Was the Children was 18. Oh, you're no, right. No, correct. We skipped last week's Mankey because it was so sad. The girl couldn't scream. God, that episode was sad. She had a physical yeah. condition and she couldn't cry. Uh, it's so it's so beyond sad. That's too much. That's like, that's like. Uh, let's not talk. Just, we can't talk about it. I, yeah, move on. I, I like. I feel. I feel sick to my stomach. Yeah. It's so sad. No, it's not. Okay. Good. So, oh, this one has so much sad stuff. Okay, let's jump right in. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a weak stomach, get ready. Andrea first did this story. Queen Andrea is the host, and she first did this story when she had three kids and was pregnant with her fourth. And now she has six kids. So they were, uh, Dateline kept showing pictures of like the first time she covered this case and for how long she's been covering it. Is this an Multiple update? babies have come in, out of her. Yes. The I... first episode was called Deadly Deceit. I knew it well. Oh, uh, okay. News to me. So new update, who dis? Okay. I like it. If, okay. So it starts with, if these hills could talk, imagine the stories they'd tell. This house on the hill is not important to the story. Yeah, I'm, I don't know why it's called that. All right, so they ran out of titles because I didn't realize that there were other episodes about this. Is there one or just two? Are there just two? Just one called Deadly Deceit. So maybe we call this Deadly Deceit. Tur. Deadly. <laughs> deadly Deceit 2 Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, Deadly Deceit 2 I Didn't Start the Fire. Okay. Is Love that it. good? All right. Yeah, it's great. Perfect. So on New Year's Day in 1991, we're taking our time machine back. Mm-hmm. A woman was trapped in a burning house. And Andrea is traveling with the volunteer firefighter. I love when she travels in a car. Um, there there was this other fireman who was they, who we meet who was a 17-year-old fire cadet at the time, which I guess is a thing. You're, what? Are we sending 17-year-old little babies into fires? Well, he said his dad was his dad was like chief, right? Or something like that. So And they have a cadet program. That's pretty cool. He I mean, it's probably like one a kid every couple of years. I, I hope I was like, don't let this precious baby boy like run into a fire. But how great is that? Timmy, that go he, inside. He's not. He's in the truck doing other things, like helping people out, getting people water. It's like, do you need a blanket? Okay. What can I do? Yeah. But it's nice because it means you really know what you want to do. And I respect that. You know, from an early age. I'm jealous of that. Yeah. I want to save people's lives. When I was 17, podcasts were nay a thought in my mother's womb. (laughs) What? It's all right. So 
this firefighter is choking up of remembering how he couldn't save this woman and how he had to go in and find the body of this woman. It's, it's very sad. If we were more jaded people, we would say that this firefighter is a little on the dramatic side crying about something that happened 30 years ago. But he it did happen and it, he didn't he kind of knew the woman. But, oh, he did? Because I went back to find out, like, were they family friends? Was she... Well, I was. I also watched the original episode, Deadly Deceit, and so it might have been in that one. He said he knew her because she used to bring the kids into the ice cream shop that he owned. So he kind of knew her. I can't tell what that expression distant, means. Distant acquaintance at best. Yes, but still finding a body is traumatic. He's a fireman. You're going to do that... He's a volunteer fireman. I don't think that's the right thing for him to be doing. That's not the right job for him. Job for him. He needs to volunteer ice cream at an ice cream social for the fire department. But he needs to stay away from actual emergency situations because he is a sensitive gentleman and cannot handle it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Okay. So it's Christina Carlson who is trapped in the fire. Mm. Her husband, Carl... Carlson. What? Kimberly Kimberson. David Davidson. What is happening? And does it make it so much worse that his last name is spelled with a K? So they spelled his first name with a K. No, it's Carl with a K and Carlson with the K. But we don't get to talk to his parents. And I really wish we would because we've had this come up before. And I need to talk to the parents to be like, what were you what were you doing? What was the thought process? Did you think it would be funny, like a conversation starter at a party? Like, oh, our kid will have anecdotes at dinner parties for years because of his name. And that was the thought process. They were always scared to go to dinner parties oh. because they didn't know what to say. And now he has a, it probably has nothing to do with dinner parties. I don't know why I think it does. I'm more thinking it was an vengeful act on behalf of the mother who had a difficult, like, 36-hour labor. labor with Carl Carlson and is like, no, I don't care. Carl Carlson. Just Carl. Just name him Carl. I don't even care. She was all drowsy and the nurse was like, what's the name for the birth certificate? Carl. Carl son. With a K. My son, my son Carlson. Uh, my, the Carlson son. And that became Carl Carlson. Could be. Maybe. Um, so the husband, he got out and he got the kids out. Thank God. Um, mm-hmm. We meet, we learn about Christina through her sister, Colette, I think, who oh, I didn't actually says write that her Christina, name down. Christina has a contagious laugh. So we got one. Mm-hmm. Everyone loved her. Mm-hmm. She has big 80s hair in all the photos. It's adorable. Good 80s it's hair. Good 80s hair. Like she looked like Jane Fonda in a workout video. Yeah, she did. It was like soft and fluffy, not crispy, permy. Yes, yeah, soft and fluffy. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a poodle. I just wanted to pat it. Oh, you know whose hair kind of looked like Melanie Griffiths in Working Girl? Oh, yeah. Like sort of soft? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a head for business and a bod for sin. And I want both, so count me in. Sorry. <laughs> the episode of Bob's Burgers, when they do the Working Girl musical slash the Die Hard musical. Yes. It's called Work Hard or Die Trying Girl. Is the one of <laughs> is probably the one of the best episodes of the show of any show, period. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, so they 
moved into this house on the hill, which is really the only time that we're talking about this house on the hill, because Christina's father offered Carl a job at the company. So they moved to California from New York. From New York. So they moved across yeah. the country because he couldn't find work in New York. Or he was tired of his job. We don't know. Well, I, part of it was Colette. Her sister lived there so they could be near to her. Okay. And part of it was he was offered this good job at the dad's company. Got it. His father-in-law's company. So we meet Colette. We meet uh, Carl's brother. who Mike. And they're Mike, who they're both devastated about the loss of Christina. Yep. Carl says Christina was taking a bath and he was outside when the fire started. And then he starts telling Andrea about how he rescued the kids and he's kind of choking up. Well, no he, tears. He, he chokes up. Were there tears? A little bit. There was definitely. You saw a tear? I saw a teary eye. I cannot say I saw a tear roll. Okay. That's something. But he chokes on his own words. He has that emotion burp. If you were acting in a movie with like Meryl Streep and you were wanted to do something very dramatic, you would do it like you can't get your words out. I would not do an emotion burp because I didn't know what he was doing at first. Then I was like, oh, he just like got caught. His th- his words caught. So you think it was real and not fake? It w- Yeah, because I hadn't seen it before. I was like, oh, that's interesting. That's See, like- and I was like, that was a good performance. It's hmm. like, good job, Carl. Okay, I, I w- I'll be willing to possibly see that it could be fake. It could be. Well, the I don't know what his intentions are at this point regarding the vis-a-vis the children. Um, but oh, that's true. Oh, we should also, did you say that there were three? Three little kids. Was um, Levi little at that point? Yeah, they're all younger than seven, I think they said. Oh, okay, so, I didn't catch that. All right. Um, as he's choking up, they keep cutting to Andrea, who is kind of not having it. She's giving him a bit of the death stare. She's the ice queen. She is the ice queen at this moment. It's yeah. She's brilliant in this episode. Yeah. So he couldn't get to Christina in time and she died. She was trapped in the bathroom. Four days after the fire, he just doesn't know what to do with these children and the house is demolished. It's completely incinerated. So he takes the kids and he goes back to his hometown in New York. Now, the insurance company sends this purple sweater guy who I liked because he had a great purple sweater on. What's his name? I'll get it. I, I think I wrote it down. Oh, Kent. 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 There were a couple of fire people in this that I did not catch all their names. And I didn't know why there they were, were like showing. There were 15 extraneous people in this episode. There were. And I don't know why they were showing so many. And it makes a lot more sense now that I know that there was a previous episode that maybe these people were featured more in. Because right. it, the story wasn't quite as big. So Yeah. No, okay. that makes sense. Right. Well, and interestingly enough, the first episode was one hour. So now they've expanded it to a two hour so maybe, but it the it seemed mostly the same when I was watching. It How many crimes are we getting in the first episode? Um, Two? No trial. We're getting up to the trial. I understand. Okay, I so this, the update of this is really the trial. And do we get interviews with Carl in the first? Is the interview with Carl new? I don't believe so. I think that's new. As well as his tight and right. I'll get to the beard. I have so many thoughts about the facial hair. Okay, so the purple sweater guy, it Mm -hmm. works for the insurance company. Mm -hmm. And so he goes to investigate the fire and he smells kerosene. Carl had said that the pets knocked over a can of kerosene, which was inside the house, the house that small children live in. Couple questions. And a family's living in. There's like a can of kerosene and then the pets knocked it over. You lived in Virginia. In Virginia, 
because I'm assuming you light more fires in Virginia. Did you have like a can, like an oil can? Is it like oil can? Is it the... Yeah, in the bedroom. You keep it in the bedroom. You keep it in the kitchen. You keep it in the bathroom. Oh, everywhere. Okay, so because... Under the bed, there's just... You keep kerosene at all Because you live as an Amish person does and do not have electricity. So everything is lamps. Yes, it's all lamps. Kerosene lamps too, to boot. Yeah. Yeah. No, you keep it in the garage... Or next to the fire pit outside, maybe, but you'd probably put it in the shed. Like there's sheds and like in a metal it, cupboard. Yeah, exactly. Why it's why is it just outside on the floor where a pet can tip it over? Okay, and you have children. I don't understand. Okay. So Kent Purple Sweater thinks that it's suspicious. Yeah. But he t- but his company tells him to move on, basically because they can't afford to fly Kent to New York to interview Carl. Like, we don't have that in our budget. We would rather just pay out the hundred something thousand dollars than then get you on Delta <laughs> to go across the country round trip. We want yeah. our bagel Wednesdays in the office. Yeah. No, so we Kent, can't you don't get a free trip to California and to New York. No, no. Kent. <laughs> so, Carl is in New York and he's saying, What he's talking to Andrea and he's like, What am I supposed to do with these children, basically? I have these children foisted upon me by the by my wife dying in a fire. It's really sad. Yeah. Um, but he's like, what do I do with these children? I'm not the mom. I'm the dad. She's the caretaker. She's the homemaker. What am I supposed to do? Like, I don't know how to braid hair. I don't know nothing about braids was the direct quote. I don't I can't take them to register to, for school. And get them shots. And I was like, Andrea's not having it. She's like, you need to stop with your perceived gender roles, Carl. Yes, you do. And learn how to do a ponytail. Does he maybe not drive and like doesn't have good motor skills? So he can't braid and then also can't drive because that would require how am I going to get them to shots? I don't know nothing about talking on no phone. What is he talking? What's wrong with him? I don't. No, if you had maybe been more involved parent earlier, you would maybe know more about your children. But he was working hard to provide whatever, whatever your gender role is in your family. That's up to you guys, whatever works for you. But why more traditional or less traditional, but you can do it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to give you that much sympathy about the braiding of the hair. Here's the first, here's the we problem. We all saw Mr. Mom and he pulled it off. Here's the thing that I have about the braiding of the hair. They must have been really complicated braids because the first thing he goes for is braids. He doesn't say shots. He doesn't say register for school. He doesn't say. He doesn't say like, what do I do when the girls get their periods? And I've got to figure that out. He literally goes for braids. braids. My biggest concern in raising these children are the braids. What is that weird braid you had where it's all on one side and then nothing oh, I on like the that. other? I don't know right. how to do that but one. Exactly. So he's probably thinking that's what they're going to want, all these really complicated braids. And the internet yeah. will not provide that for him in 1991. So Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a braid crisis. Yeah. So in the original Dateline, I have to say, they gave us, um, this was the only difference I noticed, they gave us a Mark Twain Alamo type fact where they say that the town that he moves back to in New York is the town that was modeled after um, in It's a Wonderful Life. And so oh. they they show the town and then they go to black and white and they show a clip of the movie. 
Mm-hmm. with him like yelling at the angel about like what am I supposed to do with my life I can't remember what he's saying and then it cut fades back to color as Andrea is talking to the camera so for a split second Andrea is in black and white very and then cool fades to color and it is so dramatic and glorious they had fun with that who's that that's they did and then it was cut in this two-hour episode well that's a shame what who cut that Somebody worked very hard on that little montage, and it was appreciated. Justin, but he doesn't work for NBC anymore, remember? Poor Justin. He got fired from the last snafu. Oh, God, poor Justin. I forgot what the snafu was. Um, He stole someone's lean cuisine. No, no, it was something with lasers. They tried to do something like a few months ago, and it wasn't wasn't Mm -hmm. a hit. It was just... Yeah. It wasn't very... It wasn't the one with the models of the cars driving on the street. It was that one. Yes, it was that one. And it just wasn't... (laughs) That was an epic fail, I hate to say. It wasn't Dateline Standard. So Justin got let go. We didn't need that footage to show us what it would look like if a car pulled up in front of a house. Okay, don't harp on it. We have imagination. Don't Say you're sorry. Don't harp on it. I'm so sorry, Dateline. I really appreciate the effort. But... Just we understand that Justin just wasn't working out. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean people change. People grow apart. So <laughs> he, so Carl meets Cindy and he tells her, um, I have children and I don't know how to braid their hair. Will you be my wife, basically? Where do you meet her? Line dancing? Yeah, something like that. And this is in nineteen ninety two, so this is like the following year. How how and, soon is too soon to go line dancing after your wife burns up in a fire? We've seen two months in our most recent Patreon. We okay. saw a two-monther. And- but but not, not like what this is, where you're like, you're going to get married because you need someone to braid your daughter's hair. Can you do a French braid? Sold. Here's a ring. Sold. Here's yeah. a ring. I've been mm-hmm. carrying it in my pocket. Yeah. Um, so waiting for the right girl that can do a fishtail. Although I'm going to say so- this, I really like Cindy. And I hope you do yeah. too. Okay. Cindy's great. Yeah. So he tells her the, the weirdest part about this conversation, how she's telling Cindy's telling Andrea how she fell for Carl. Um, first of all, Cindy did not think that she could have children. And so she loved the idea of an instant family. Aww. So, yeah, it's very sweet. But then she says, well, Carl told me how his family was into horses, like raising horses. And Andrea says, he told you that on the first night? And I didn't understand the implication. Is that like a super personal thing to tell I think someone it more on the first means night that you have money right so it's like he let he put his wealth out there the first night because you but you, i don't think they have a ton of money i think they had a decent amount of money yeah i think maybe though andrea was might bragging have, yeah maybe he's got these special belgian horses yeah and he's doing dressage or whatever that mitt romney did and everyone ripped him apart for it because <laughs> it's, it's funny like, it is. It's it's funny. It's funny. It's, it's funny. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I didn't totally understand that moment when Andrew's like, he told you that on the first night? Yeah, I noticed that too. And I was like, well, he maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't seem that yeah. odd. So they um, build a life together in a farmhouse. And then she gets pregnant, which is like a miracle because she didn't think she could. So there are now four kids. So there's the first three that are Christina's and... The, including Levi, the son. And then the fourth child, Alex, is another son. And that's Cindy's, the new mommy. Levi is, but she is not hit Levi's mom. Christina is not Levi's mom, correct? Yeah. Okay. Whose mom would she be? I'm going to tell you why I got confused on that. It's something, 
it's a sentence that Carl says later that really confused me. And I was like, wait, who does Levi belong to? Later, he I, says the death of Katie and the other girl's mom. And he only mentions the two girls. Now I'm thinking it's for other reasons. But at the time, like when I heard it, I was like, oh, wait, so who who does Levi? No, yeah, because okay. it, they got married quickly and she got pregnant right away. And so, that's Levi. Got it. All right. That's Levi. I'm, I'm um, all caught up. I'm here. Okay. I'm here with so it. This is like where are the children part to. So it's no, very, I'm my not mom that has bad. listened to part the first part of where are the children four times now. <laughs> Our recap and she's still trying to figure out who everyone is. Did we fail? Does that mean we, we failed? We tried so hard to explain it to people, but they're making charts and they're listening upwards of three or four times just to understand. That, I'm sorry. We should, did that have, should that have been a two-parter? I feel like we should have made that a two-parter. It two -parter. probably should have sorry, been a two-parter. Sorry, guys. Sorry about that. We failed. So we meet the precious, now a teenager, Alex, Cindy's biological son. The opposite of a bag of wieners. He's a oh very, my God, he's a so very good cute. boy. Yeah, a good boy is the opposite of bag of wieners. So their family is raising these horses and then selling them. And unfortunately, and the family was getting along great, this new blended family, except Levi started to go through a bag of wieners phase in high school, unfortunately. And he was rebelling against his dad. He dropped out of school and Carl was really tough on him. They would fight constantly. One night, there's a tragedy. We already had a tragedy. That's what you're thinking. Get ready for tragedy number two. Tragedy! When the feeling's gone, you can't go on as tragedy. Okay, so 2002, it is 11 years after the fire. That's a long stretch. Good job, guys. Keep keeping it together. Mm -hmm. But one night in 2002, the barn is on fire. And the it burns. barn, the barn. The, the barn is on fire. It's not funny when I tell you the next sentence. No, but, it's not, because I'm trying to make it okay before the next sentence, because I know what's coming, and I was very it's upset. so terrible, and really you're like, I upset. wish Dateline did not tell us. So the barn burns to the ground. Uh, Mike, the brother, rushes over, because he lives nearby, and Carl is just standing there, like, kind of like a zombie, and he just says that the horses are still in there. There were three horses that burned in the fire, and it's... I'm sick to my stomach. I can't. And this episode just gets worse for a vegetarian, I have to tell you. This episode is a disaster for me and Cindy Boxer and all sorry, the other guys. veggies out there. So It's also bad for anyone who cares about animals. I don't yes, that's true. particularly like burned horses. That's true. I'm not saying meat eaters are like, yes, burn all the horses. I've also never eaten a horse. I would not. <laughs> that's, not a, that's not a meat that people eat normally, I don't think. Sometimes. I think, but... Rarely. I don't hear of it a lot. If you eat okay. a lot of horse, maybe let us know, but maybe not. Okay. Um. So his mm. brother, Mike, says that Carl didn't seem upset. He was more like, this is just another problem I have to deal with. It's just strange. Yeah. And the very next day, the barn is leveled and the horse corpses... Carcasses, they said. Carcasses are taken away. Um... So Carl mm -hmm. tells Cindy there was a radio on and it must have been a spark from the radio. Now, sir, the only time a radio is sparking is when Alicia Keys is on because that girl is on fire. Or Oh my if god. If it's a metaphorical fire. Oh or god. was your radio 
from 1980 and had two wires that are exposed and you have to rub them together to get the radio to work? Or third option, is it plugged in to an outlet with 20 other radios and a microwave? It is one outlet that's from the house that has with like... Each has an extender in it. It's like a three outlet and each one has one of those 20 extenders on it. You can plug in 20. So that makes it 60. It's 59 radios and one microwave. In the Christmas story, remember how they have all the stuff plugged in to the one thing? That's kind of what I'm picturing. Yeah. So there's a very short investigation and this barn fire, second fire, Yeah. bear in mind, in 11 years that has happened to poor Carl. It's ruled an accident. And Andrea is being very nice to Cindy, I think, and giving her kind of the easy way out and saying, well, you didn't have any reason to believe it wasn't an accident. So I thought that was nice of her. But it's also true. It is true. But of course, at home, it's easy to armchair quarterback and go, Cindy, wake up, girl. Did you do that? Because I was kind of like, if I was Cindy, I probably wouldn't put you weren't you Cindy didn't live through the first fire but the yeah but she knows about the first fire but the kids are going to be much more suspicious right right so Levi becomes very suspicious of his dad right and he and Carl are screaming at each other they get into this huge fight and Carl like he Levi gets in the truck and drives away and Carl is chasing him down the road very dramatic yeah one of these screaming fights and Cindy's like stop it guys stop it so I don't know if she sounded like that. I'm sure she sounded much better, less shrill. So eventually, <laughs> eventually Levi he separates. So he sa- he's kind of separating himself from the family for a while. He gets married and has two girls, Aww. but they get divorced. And Aww. Carl says that this was when Levi came back to the family as like a divorced guy with these two kids, messy divorce. So he comes back to the family, becomes close with Carl again. And Carl's saying how much he liked being a grandfather to these two little girls. Bear that in mind Mm -hmm. for later. Um, Levi gets his act together, becomes a non-bag of wieners. He gets his GED and he starts working and he's doing great. And he's getting along with his dad, which makes this whole thing just a whole lot worse. Worse. So... Oh, and then Carl says, well, you know, he got the divorce and he didn't have a place. You know, we weren't going to like let him, you know, the kid wasn't going to suffer. He says that about them taking helping out with Carl or with Levi and the kids after his divorce. The kid wasn't going to suffer. Bear that in mind as well. Or the kid. Kid. He meant Levi. Oh, okay. Is he going to suffer? Yeah. 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 So one day Levi comes over to Carl's house to work on an old car in the barn because he would help Carl with like technical stuff around the house. Don't go in the barn, Levi. Can we just like have a moratorium on all barns? I'm also really sorry. Is this the new barn? Comes over and goes into the new barn. barn. A new replacement barn. Well, they didn't tell us that. So I was confused about where the barn was. So it's a new barn that he rebuilt. New barn Um, who dis? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And do good things happen in barns? Should we just say don't go in barns? Jesus was born in a barn, so that's something. And isn't there something that happens in that movie, The Quiet Place? Doesn't that part of that go wrong in that, a barn? You're, it's all, all, you're right. It's all, all mostly in a barn. Yeah, something bad happens that's in the barn. That's a good movie. Yeah. So Carl and Cindy 
Oh, so Levi comes to the house to work on this old car in the barn. Mm -hmm. Stay away from barns. And Carl and Cindy are going to a funeral. And you know there's a story there. Like, was this person related to Carl? Right, exactly. Who is this person that died? And then that needs to be another episode. So they come back from the funeral and Carl goes into the barn to check on Levi. Comes out running saying, I don't. I don't even know what he would say at this point. Call the police. Call the police. God has cursed me. I am Job. Right. My son is dead. Levi is found pinned beneath the truck. His chest is crushed. My God. Absolutely gruesome. And it's horrible. So Cindy says that Carl was devastated. She says he is throwing himself against the wall. Yeah. And onto the ground. Which seems a little like was he on a Japanese game show? Oh, that's a little extra. I think so, it's. I mean, I get it. Like the rending of garments and the wailing. My son. Like, my yeah. daughter needs a shot. I was thinking okay. more Jean Valjean. Bring him home. And um, what's his name? But I still feel like that's almost too dramatic. Oh yeah. I think you just lock yourself in a closet with a bottle of whiskey. Yeah. And just be like, good night, everyone. Which is kind of how he asked acted before with the horses so i kind of feel like someone gave him an acting note after the horses died oh. and he took that note and changed his motivation there we go. so that to make the audience respond better to the scene okay so he workshopped it a little and he found that wailing and throwing himself on the ground and against the wall is the most and, effective yeah and mm-hmm. as we are imagining ripping off his clothes which she didn't say but I feel like he might have. I feel like he ripped off some sort of garments. Or ripped off just a sleeve of the garment. Why? I can't. No? I don't deserve sleeves. <laughs> that could be it. Don't so he, but he honestly the, doesn't deserve sleeves because this is terrible. Yeah, oh, it's horrible. So the brother, Mike, says that the truck was jacked badly. It was like a flimsy jack and there were no blocks under the truck. What is the brother thinking at this point? This is the second time in how long he's been called to the house for this tragedy. And like, he doesn't know. It's technically the third time. I mean, I don't, he was, he knew about the fire, but he wasn't right. there, lived, didn't live there. But, but is he just giving his brother the side eye now? Like, I need to talk to you. I think, I think Mike, the brother with the mustache yeah. is one of the first to become suspicious. I think so too. Besides Levi, of course, who's now gone. So... Mike, I really respect for that. I like Mike a lot, by the way. Usually the siblings are in denial, are family in denial. So Well, and they also don't want to think that their brother could do something like that because it makes them look bad. Mike does not have that syndrome. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's no reflection on Mike. No, and he knows that. He's smart enough to know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Cindy thinks that Carl is just unlucky. She's He's just had a lot of bad things happen to him. And at this point, I'm thinking... Oh, Cindy, sweet, sweet, simple Cindy. But Cindy mm-hmm. was like, nay, Kimberly, I will prove you wrong by the end of this episode. Correct. I'm not that simple. I'm a warrior goddess like Xena uh-huh. and Buffy. So Carl decides that this tragedy is not going to define him nor are the others. Right. And he's going to change his life completely. He decides he wants to raise gourmet ducks for restaurants. Remember when I said this wasn't a good episode for vegetarians? So he starts raising thousands of them. How can this and be a good business? Is it? There, 
I mean, I don't feel like people order ducks that much in fancy restaurants unless it's like a special that people there's like wait lists for months to get this special duck. That's what I'm talking about. That's what but I'm then it's rarer and then it's not thousands of them because then it makes it less special. No, because I, I, I look, I've never heard of a thing. I've heard of like Wagyu beef and like the kinds of beef that are from, you know, cows that are only fed organic blurgity blurg. Like, do you know what I'm saying? So the cows are raised in a certain way. I've never heard of duck being like there's that specialty, you know, what, what's that called? There was an called? episode of Seinfeld with that. Uh-huh. And as as I can pull out, just pull it out. Where do I keep all these this knowledge of Seinfeld in my bra later on? Something else is in a bra. So um, I pull it out of my bra like Angela, 90 day fiance, pulls out her money, cell phone, credit cards, keys, passport, dignity, Trump G-string from Michael. Stop to wear. it. So there is an episode of Seinfeld is all I'm trying to say where there Elaine wants to go to this restaurant because it's known for the duck and the waiting list is like months long and you go for this duck. But no, but I'm saying, is it called a certain thing? Like how beef is called Wagyu beef? Like, is there a, you know, is it called Chesterton duck? Like, do you know what I'm saying? Is there yeah. a, that's what I've never seen a specialty duck on a menu. I've seen and duck would dishes. Say Carl Carlson duck. Right, exactly. Of the famed Carl Carlson, he right. actually does become famous. So, yeah. but at this point, I'm like, please, dear God, Dateline, do not burn the ducks because I can't take it. I was a little worried. Right? Yeah. Anything that's living at this point, I'm like, some just please. Yeah. I can't take it. Get them out of there. Yeah. Yeah. So Carl and Cindy are, this is where I said they become famous, kind of, tongue in cheek. They were featured on an episode of an Australian, Canadian, almost said Australian, Hmm. cooking TV series, cooking channel show called Pitchin' In with no G for the pitchin'. And it just made me laugh. Did you look it up? No, it's actually like a legit show. And some people in the comments had heard of it and had watched it because they watch Canadian TV or something. I just want to know what they do. Do they all pitch in? Like, what does it mean? The host goes to like different places and then pitches in, I think, in their, you know, like Mike... Um, row on dirty jobs and he goes to like different places and then like does their job with them i think it's like that i could be wrong um but i just feel like in the u.s we're developing shows where like people are gonna start having sex on stage and then the audience has to vote on who did it better and in canada (sighs) they're having shows where farmers are raising ducks and they're just it's so pure canada never change yeah please don't i love you so He says on the show, I love my ducks. They are pampered. They are bathed. But then he sells them to get to get eaten. So whatever. Um, Well, yeah, I don't understand. But he's grooming them for a better life, which is apparently a very rich person's stomach. Cindy says that Carl loved being on TV. He thought he was going to get discovered and become famous. And she watched his head swell with the attention. And I'm like. The attention from being on a Canadian cooking channel show? Like, how are his neighbors even seeing it? Is there a a channel where you can watch all Canadian shows? It's like Orphan Black Degrassi, Orphan Black Degrassi. How are his neighbors even knowing that he's famous unless he tapes it and then makes copies of the VHS tape, sends it around? I don't understand. Do you see what I'm saying? I see exactly what you're saying. Do Do we think his neighbors in rural New York 
Yes, I think his neighbors paying attention to Canadian channels. Sadly, and no. being like Carl, I saw you. He's the one that's sending out tapes. He he's the one that made his a reel. He made a reel. Yeah, but it's just that episode. Um, and maybe one time he saw like a bank robbery and he was like, the guy had a jacket on and then they cut away. <laughs> so it's like jacket interview and then the whole yeah. episode of Pitch Knit. Um, but anyways, he's apparently becoming famous in his area. But I, I take that back because my parents, they would call me and be like, you'll never guess the the place down the street, that neighbor that we kind of know was on um, what not to wear or something. And then it's like a big deal and the neighborhood's talking about it. So I guess I can understand that. It's just, it's a Canadian show that doesn't like normally broadcast here. You have to go out searching for it. I think it's more that he thought that that was going to bring more opportunities. Right, like he needed an agent now. Like, right, like he was getting a big head thinking that like not even that people were seeing it, but like this was going to lead to maybe a spinoff series called just Carl's Carlson Just Quackers. Just ducking it. I don't know. Duck, duck, exclamation point. (laughs) Getting ducky with it. Right, right. And was this around the time of Duck Dynasty? Did he think he could somehow be involved in that? I have a feeling that this had a lot to do with Duck Dynasty, but I don't know exactly what happened. Our Duck Dynasty, they're not Bad. involved with ducks. No, they are. They are duck, duck calls. Duck callers. They, yeah, they designed like a call that sounds like and, ducks. And a lot of clothing. And camo. Right. And Ke- then clothing. they're also, very, I think, rather homophobic maybe racist. So they were, they were canceled. Can we say that on the show? Canceled culture. They were canceled. Okay. A while ago. I don't know what they're up to now. I think they're, are they all homophobic? Isn't there like 25 of them? Yeah. I don't know. I maybe just one of them said something and ruined it for all of them. Not sure. So we can't make a blanket statement because we don't know. No, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying, I don't know. And we don't know if what something was misconstrued or they actually are terrible people with terrible beliefs. Cancel culture is very quick to judge. I feel like you're going to get a lot of letters <laughs> of people telling you why Duck Dynasty is really bad. I want to know because I'm sure I okay. won't like it because I think at least one of them said some bad things. Okay. So as as Carl's head is getting famous and he's like, I guess, calling managers in New York, like, can I want to audition for a Broadway show? I don't know. So at the same time as Carl is rising... Cindy is falling. She's becoming very unhappy. She's drinking a lot. She's having what she calls feelings or attacks every few months where she gets queasy thinking about Levi's death. The way she describes it is so interesting. It's like how you describe being in a funk or um, having a touch of the vapors. Mm. Like it's a condition, Um, but it's really just her intuition. Her intuition is just like screaming to come out and she just needs to listen to it. Correct. So poor Cindy convinces herself that she's just being paranoid. And then she forgets about it for a few more months, but then something like triggers it and she starts feeling that feeling again. Mm -hmm. So meanwhile, brother Mike, mustache, also suspicious. The night that Levi died at the hospital, Mike walked into the room where the body was and Carl said, how do I explain this? Which is a strange thing to say because it's like, to whom? To the, to the family? How do you explain this to the family? It's almost like he left. To God? It, it, no, you're right. Because 
I it's almost like he left off the most important part of the sentence, which is how do I explain this to his sisters? That's the next part of the sentence. Or he's trying to say, how am I to understand this? Right. Correct. Or he really means, how am I to explain this to the insurance adjusters that are coming tomorrow? There we go. That's So Cindy, meanwhile, she's becoming physically ill. She even goes to the doctor and says, I don't like, I think I have acid reflux. And he's like, no, you're married to a psychopath. But those two diagnoses often get mistaken for each other. There we go. So it is now um, 2011. It's been three years since Levi's death. And Cindy's been kind of suffering and suspicious this whole time. She's still thinking about it. She confides in some friends. She calls a private investigator. Cindy, you got to be careful, girl, or you're going to the barn. And we know what that means now. She's still living with him at this point? She's fully still living, still married, and also seeking the help of a private investigator. Be careful, girl. It's going to be barn time. So Steve Brown, the investigator. That's not his real name. One of many investigators. No, but that's not his real name. Steve Brown? Right. Sounds like a football guy. They're calling him. He goes by Steve Brown. Oh, it's an alien. We won't say his real name on Dateline. I see. They do show his face, though. So They do. Um... He said, so she says, Carl wanted to check on Levi in the barn before they went to the funeral. So there was a moment where he went into the barn and it was just the two guys in the barn and then they left for the funeral. So she thinks that's weird. Mm -hmm. Also, she thinks it's weird that Carl is the beneficiary of Levi's life insurance. So Levi, Levi's dad, Carl, is the beneficiary, not Levi's ex-wife, or two children. It was for four hundred thousand and an additional three hundred thousand if the death was an accident. I'm sorry. Also, why does Levi have a life insurance policy when is he just doing odd jobs around town? Yeah, but he has kids now, so I think a lot of parents get life insurance, but they usually make their children the beneficiary. Mm. Um, so I guess we'll get to it. But Carl says he's going to watch the money for the girls uh, and then give it to them when they turn eighteen or something. So Steve Brown wants to talk to Carl, but doesn't want Cindy to get in any trouble because she you're in danger, girl. So he goes undercover as someone interested in Carl's duck business. That seems smart. I like it. Very smart because Carl loves to talk about Carl. Yeah. So all you have to do is ask him questions and he will not shut up. So Steve eventually becomes his friend. He like works his way in. Carl and him are buddies. Very smart. Carl one day shows him his new electric knife for killing the ducks that he loved so dearly. Um, Carl says to Steve, I prefer the old-fashioned way. And he comes up behind Steve. He tilts Steve's head back and then with his finger makes the gesture along Steve's neck like he's cutting Steve's throat. He's just an old-fashioned guy. He says it's messy and very physical. That's how I like it. What would you do? He loves these ducks, though. Um, Yeah, he sure does. I would say, Carl, it's been great being friends with you. I'm no longer interested in your duck business. I need to leave. My wife knows that I'm here. She will call the cops if I'm not back in 15 minutes. I've decided to go with the company Marketing for my marketing from here on out. <laughs> Thank you very much. Bye. Because they are not sociopaths. Um, I think. So Steve is so creeped out by this gesture. Also, it's weird. I don't, I'm not trying to be like 
um, toxic masculinity or anything, but it's kind of weird for like one guy who's like just getting to know a guy to physically tilt a guy's head back and then with his finger run it across the other guy's it's, neck. It's threatening and it's 100% toxic masculinity. So I don't know why you don't want to say that because it's a well, very... Well, I'm not trying to say like bros shouldn't hug and bros shouldn't no, like no. embrace their this the is... emotions. That's no. not what I'm trying this to say. This is a power move of someone yeah. trying to show that they are in control mm-hmm. and look at how great... I... Like it's a very... It's, it's not great. No, it's not great. And so Steve is so creeped out that he says, we're still talking about ducks here, aren't we? That's clever, though. He tries to laugh it off. There you go. Good yeah, for you, exactly. Steve, while he peed his pants. Yeah. So Steve is debating whether or not he has enough to go to the police, but he doesn't really have anything to go to the police. Nothing that Cindy didn't already have. All he has is that Carl's creepy. Yeah, that he's creepier than we all thought. Yeah. The only thing he's gained from this is a great new bromance with Carl. And that's what he'll take away from this experience, I guess. Friends forever. BFFs. So before Steve can go to the police, there's a friend or a cousin. I thought they said friend in this one. And then they said cousin in the original episode. So I was unsure. She's a friend slash cousin of Cindy. Cindy had confided in her about her fears. They actually don't say friend at all. They say person. Oh, interesting. They say another person Cindy had confided in. Okay. So cousin, let's go with. There we go. All right. I wonder why we can't say cousin this time. See, that? that's intriguing. <laughs> Does the cousin want to just stay out of it? I want to be out of it. Don't say cousin, because maybe she only has like two cousins <laughs> and they know it's not Janet. They know it's going to be Emily. Here's the thing. No, I disagree strongly because this cousin is like the friend that gets involved in everyone's business because she's circumventing Cindy and against her wishes going to the police. It's Denise. Like, let's call her Denise. Denise. Denise she's she's calling the police um may have just sent her friend cindy to the barn focus on your own marriage denise tom's been cheating on you for six months and everyone in the book club knows it stay in your lane denise i disagree i think denise did the right thing i think denise hemmed and hawed and prayed about it for a really long time and was like i'm gonna do it and then finally had enough's enough she was too worried about her cousin going to the barn that she was like, no. But going to the police is sending her to the barn. But you don't know that because she, what she's doing, here's what she's doing. She's pushing Cindy out the door. She's been telling Cindy to leave for months. And she's like, you know what? I'm pushing your bottom like an alcoholic. We're going. <laughs> I see. Okay, that makes sense. So the detective, uh, his name is Detective Clear. He's now looking at the case. He finds out that Carl actually helped Levi sign up for this policy. No doy. Mm-hmm. That made Carl the beneficiary. How'd they find that out? Because you can find out like who a co-signer is and stuff like that. You have to have a co-signer on a policy? I think so, yeah. Interesting. Okay, go ahead. So guess how many days after Carl helped Levi get this policy? Carl. So Carl helps his son get a policy in which he is the beneficiary 17 days later, his son is crushed by a truck. That's weird. That's weird. Now, Carl had told Levi, I'll save the money for your girls for when they're older. Guess what? He never gave them any money. Of course not. Instead, Carl and, as Andrea points out, Cindy spent the money on their house 
and on the duck business. Mm -hmm. And at this point, I said out loud, enough with the stupid duck business. And I think my neighbor may have heard me. I was a little frustrated hearing about the duck business. I only exclaimed at one point during this episode, and I'm hoping you'll... Oh, I'm sure it was the same point. Yeah. So... And I said, hey, like that. <laughs> yeah. So the detective finds out that Carl had te had collected a ton of insurance policies over the years. So we have 1986. Car this is before the first marriage and everything. Carl's brand new Dodge catches fire. Happens all the time to brand new cars. Oh my God. Right? There was that one car that did explode a lot. That was the a phone. Pinto? Pinto? No. The, you're thinking of the Samsung. I'm, this is like from the 80s. There was like Pintos that were just exploding. No. Yeah, I swear. It was a thing. It, I saw it on I Love the 80s on VH1. A Pinto? Not a Pinto, though. Yeah, I think so. Um, so his new Dodge catches fire. He gets $10,000 from the mm. insurance company. Then there was the fire that killed the horses. Uh, well, first there was the fire that killed Christina. Then there was the fire that killed the horses in that first barn. And that was $115,000. But now this is where I got a little confused and I had a question. There was no fire insurance when Christina died. It was just a life insurance policy on I Christina. Okay. Is that right? I don't know. Because I was almost thinking he got a double policy payout in that fire. The Christina fire. Interestingly enough, he would get like double if Cindy died because of the policy that he has on his current wife, Cindy, because they're business partners in their duck business. How do you know that? They said it. They said if Cindy died, he would get like a t like a windfall of money. But he didn't get a double payout for Christina, even though she died in a fire. Did he try to? We don't. They don't go that much into that that life insurance right. or if the fire insurance or life insurance. I mean, look, it's all bad anyways. I was just wondering, is it How, even yeah. worse? Like, okay. Well, <laughs> that's not even making it worse. That's just like making him smarter or dumber. Yeah, like, that's true. So Carl, all, this is where it gets really icky. Well, it's already been icky. We're so far below. We, icky. Were, we were icky at the first fire. So yeah. So Carl also had life insurance policies on Levi's two baby girl daughters the two grandkids that he said he loved and like wanted to take care of so what are these is he gonna kill these two like children what he why He's would you killing have the ducks on these two little girls i mean i we did have that we did have parents getting life insurance on um kids in an episode a few months ago and a lot of people told me that it is fairly common and that also you're bombarded with pamphlets at the hospital when you give birth about like getting life insurance on your baby. But why are you doing that on your baby just for to cover a funeral cost in case most, they pass yes, away? 100% to, to for a funeral cost, but most of our listeners found it too morbid to it's even really think about. It's really morbid to think about. So they didn't they didn't do it, but I but think there does, were a couple that said they did it. But why does Carl have it on that? Oh, 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 sorry to interrupt. I think one of them said that Gerber even has like a life insurance. Gerber baby stuff. That makes so sense. So it's a big business having life insurance on babies, I guess. But why does why does Yeah, the grandpa. Why does Carl the grandpa have life insurance on these children? Okay. No one knows. All right. So Cindy finally decides she has to get away. Get away, get away. And <laughs> she packs up her stuff, collects her son, Alex, and their dogs. Thank God someone is looking out for the animals. Finally. 
She gets the dogs out of the house and she moves to a hotel. Yeah. Good for you, Cindy. You're doing amazing, sweetie. Who wait, who are the little girls living with? No, Levi's little girls are with the mom. Okay, okay. So with okay. the mom, yeah. Right, right, all right. So um now here's where Cindy has watched a dateline. That and all hell's gonna break loose. I wrote Cindy goes dateline. It's great. <laughs> Cindy goes dateline. Apparently she saw a dateline where a woman was recording her mother mm -hmm. to try to get her mother to confess to something. Mm -hmm. And so Cindy decides I'm going to record Carl. But I was like, what episode was that? I can't think of it. I can think of daughters recording their fathers. I can think of a father and daughter being recorded by the police. I cannot think of a daughter recording her mother. If anyone knows what episode that is, I will send you a date with Dateline sticker and a hearty handshake. I think you're going to need to up that price. A money. mug? A mug. No mugs because of the breaking. Um, no, I got boxes. I fixed the issue. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. But watch that it wasn't even a Dateline. How much do you want to bet it was actually it was a like a 48 like a hours? A 2020. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was just going to say. But I think it's great because she is the first person, I think, to turn Datelining into a verb. She's Datelining. She's Datelining. Yeah. So don't we dateline as a verb? We we casually date dateline. Okay. Or we're in a serious relationship. I can't decide. We haven't had to define the relationship talk. So we, we are going to have to do that soon. We had one recently. I will explain. We did? It happened on social media. With who? Josh. Are they, are they happy or unhappy? Smiley face, frowny face, sl middle smile. The smile that's oh, like... Oh, smiley face. Okay, well, you, you're making it mysterious, so I don't know. And usually it's only, if it's bad news, you won't tell me. So the fact that you haven't told me yet makes me There's think no it's news. bad news. There's no news. Just tell me right now. It's a define the relationship. Um, Josh Mankiewicz was on Paul Holes. Oh, wow. Paul Holes is this um, big true crime person. He, like, solved the Golden State Killer Thing or help solve it with DNA. So he's a big true crime guy. He has a new podcast um, and Josh Mankiewicz was on it. And a couple people tweeted at Josh Mankiewicz and were like, are you cheating on Date with Dateline Girls? And I said, what say you, Josh? We haven't invited you on the show in a while. Is Have you strayed or something like that? And he said, we're in an open relationship, dot, 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 aren't we? Oh, did you say and yes? I said, uh, Josh is a wild stallion. He can't be tamed. We Good. knew that getting into this relationship. Yeah. And I said, the relationship Mank has with all of his fans is something akin to a wolf pack. <laughs> <laughs> so I called in one of his previous episodes, but did not realize after I tweeted it, as many people pointed out, that I kind of mixed animal metaphors. Yeah, a little bit, but it's funny. Um. So I think I said wild something, and then I said wolf pack. But I think I said wild stallion. Yeah, and then wolf pack. That's all right. So he's two different kind of animals. but Which are both good. Stallions and wolves. We, I mean, yeah. he's a winner. Yeah. Yeah. So Cindy is going to tape Carl, right. and she has a small voice recorder that Andrea says she tucked into her bra. At which point I became a little prudish, and I was like, Andrea, do not mention my bra on Dateline. Okay, well, that's a little far. I don't know. It made me uncomfortable for Cindy. I was like, why? Because Cindy's kind of dear. 
She put it in her bra. What is she supposed to say? She put it in her chest area. What's she going to say? She put it under her shirt, under her blouse. Yeah, under a blouse. That's classier. Andrea, I think it's just fine. You're not listening, but I'm just letting you know my opinion. (laughs) This is me who sings songs about Lola, period. Yeah, I would like to state for the record (laughs) that it's fine. There's no shame in bra wearing or not bra wearing, whatever. What in the world? You were offended by the word, this the, the notion of bra braziers. I did not want, you know, when um, that bank robbery heist thing was happening and that one guy's mom was tied up and then the SWAT team pulled her out into the middle of the street and made her lift, made her up, lift her up her shirt. This is not that. I didn't like that. It made me sad for her. I'm protective. This is not that. This is not remotely like that. That was horrible and borderline violation. Actual violation. Wow. Okay. So Cindy thinks she can get Carl to confess to burning the barn and killing the horses. And her thinking is that'll at least show the cops like um, what kind of person he is and maybe develop a pattern of behavior. So that's what she's going for. Burning the barn, killing the horses. She says she might get back together with him, but only if he starts to tell the truth about things. So she's going to say, like, first of all, let's start with the barn and the horses. But instead, he says, it sounds to me like you want me to say I had something to do with Levi's death. And she's like, slow your roll. I was talking about the barn. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So he had a jump to conclusions, Matt. And he <laughs> won. Um, there's an office space reference. Um, I, I, yes, I like it. So she goes with it and she says, walk me through what happened that day. And he gets to the part of the truck falling on Levi. And she says, was it hard to push the truck? And he says, no, it wasn't. So she's thinking that's a confession. She takes the tape to the police, but it's inaudible. Cindy, this is why I couldn't tape something at a lunch meeting because I would spill like ranch dressing all over my shirt and it would clog up the microphone. Did she test it before? The problem was that they, um, the restaurant was too crowded and too loud. Oh, so even if she How'd tested you know it that? in her host, Dateline producer said it on Twitter. Oh, okay. So yeah. All right. Even if she tested it in her hotel room, that would be different. So. Man, she tried, though. Good good on you, Cindy. Good job. And she's willing to try again for the second time. Wow. So this time, the police have the restaurant filled with undercover diners, which I think is the next show from that guy who does Bar Rescue. Oh. Which my, you know, um, John yeah. Taffer. Yeah, John Taffer. And he just screams at people. Yes, So that's his job. Uh, yes. So Cindy tries to get uh, Carl to repeat the story. Right. And he gets suspicious. He says, I feel like I'm walking into a booby trap. And she says, well, yes, you are. The recorder's in my bra. I know. That was good. It was clever. So she convinces him it's not a trap. She keeps her cool. She, like, says, look in my purse. I can show you I don't have anything that right. I'm recording. She did great. Cindy, she did. That was impressed. so su- I would have been sweating bullets. I would have uh-huh. been like, oh, Super uh, impressed with her. Uh, yeah. So now Carl's changing his story. That he didn't push the truck. He never said he pushed the truck. But he did take advantage of the opportunity after the accident with the truck happened. It's the worst thing that a parent, 
I mean, worse than actually saying they killed the child is, well, I took advantage of the opportunity that was presented by their horrific death. It's not good. For some reason, the detectives now think they have enough. I guess they got a little more than they had before. I don't know what they got. I was a little confused why. This happens a lot on Dateline where they're like, now we have enough, but you didn't really get that. Okay, it's fine. You just feel like you've tried more. Or did we not hear everything? It's happened recently. Have you noticed that? Where it's been yes. like, they now have, it's like the uh, episode of Arrested Development and it'll be like, I just tripped over your shoe. I don't know why, but that's it. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> enough. Yeah. It, it was so, really confusing though. I noticed it too. I was like, why, why is that enough all of a sudden? Okay, cool. Yeah. So they bring in Carl and they get him talking, which is easy because he loves to talk. And his story is that he found Levi dead. He says to the police, you don't kill your son for money. And the cop goes, who said anything about money? Gotcha journalism right there. Oh, there we go. Now they move in and in the interrogation room and they're sitting like knee to knee with him in their chairs like Keith was at Big Mike's Halloween party in those rickety lawn chairs. They're moving all over the place in that video. They're like close, then far, then close. Yes, they have like, like maybe a he'll, process. if I stand over him, right. maybe if exactly. I crouch down like a tiger, yep. then he'll confess. Yep. So they're trying everything and it's not working. Carl is saying so calm. Yeah. Finally, though, after hours, nine hours, hours of, nine hours of interrogation, he changes his story. He says Levi was dead before they left for the funeral. He panicked and he didn't say anything to Cindy. I don't, he didn't want to spoil the funeral or something. And then he says, well, maybe I saw the truck fall, which then becomes maybe I caused the truck to fall. And then now he's fake crying and he says, I reached in for the keys and it caused the truck to fall. He said keys? And he reached in for the keys? The keys were like in the front seat. Oh. And the weight of him like reaching for them caused the truck to fall. But did, okay. Was he fake crying? Well, it's hard to tell because it's interrogation room video. Yeah, that's true. You thought he was real crying before. Yeah, I think he can really make himself cry. But he's making himself. So Yeah, essence, but I don't think fake. he's doing that. <sighs> when the, And there's nothing and it's just dry face. No, I think he's good at working up his emotion. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. He's taken some classes. With, yeah. He studied the Meisner technique. Exactly. <laughs> so the detective says, come with me. You're under arrest. I think you knew that was coming, which I found hilarious. Yeah, that was pretty good. I think you knew that was coming. So they're about to go to trial. And for some reason, Carl is now walking with a walker like Harvey Weinstein. And no one feels bad for you, Carl. No one feels bad for you, Harvey and Kyle. Carl, sorry. I think he's walking on a walker to support, if I may say, his giant cojones for attempting all of these insurance frauds with two fires, two barn situations. Who else would even have the gall to try that? Lord, give me the confidence of a mediocre white man. I can't. But here's so, the thing. I think... He does let, they do let us know that, I mean, he has had multiple back surgeries. So he very well could need the walker at this point after sleeping in like the kind of conditions he has to in jail. But again, it looks like a ploy. So even if he does need it, you need to not use it, man, because it makes yeah. you look worse. It does. It's like Bobby Durst coming in like a yeah. pedophilic 
goblin or whatever I said he was. He can't help that. Pedo goblin. He can't help that. So that's his way. That's his general appearance. That's his look. That's how God made him. So one day before the trial, Carl pleads guilty, crazy, doesn't want to go to trial. And what he's charged with is called depraved indifference murder, Mm -hmm. which I looked up. It's also called depraved heart murder. And it's a type of murder where an individual acts with a depraved indifference to human life and where such act results in a death, despite that individual not explicitly intending to kill. So basically, you weren't trying to kill them, but something happened and you just watched it happen and you kind of give zero Fs that it happened. Wow. And you did nothing to stop it. So it should be called the meh sentence. Yeah. Because it's sort of like you're just standing there. Meh. Eh, I don't want to get up. The truck is all the way over there. Oh, man. It's too far. So also, Carl, I can't body shame. He's gained a bit of weight in prison. And but he's feeling himself because in these still photos of the um, hearing or the sentencing, He's doing, like, really bad catalog modeling. He's smirking up at and, like, squinting his eyes like he's trying really hard to think. And then at one point, he puts his hand up like this, like thinker pose, looking up at his lawyer, pondering. And then there's another one where he's doing, like, a full-on smirk. Oh, no. He's, like, feeling himself, and he wants the photographer to get all of these poses. Like, he's smizing. He's... I don't like that. I don't like that. They're the most punchable expressions I have seen in a court in a long time. Gross. Especially the fake thinker pose. That got me. Yeah. Um, So his brother, Mike, thinks now that Carl is a full-on sociopath. Yeah. Which is great. Go, Mike. The daughter, Erin, we didn't hear much about her, but this is like Levi's sister. Right. And she's now grown up. She and Colette, Christina's um, sister in California, they want the police to now look into Christina's death. The sheriff gives this press conference saying um, he confessed it's depraved indifference. Um, The balls in your court, California, basically. Crazy. He like drops the mic. He like challenges them to like a yo mama contest. He's basically like saying he says in case you guys were waiting to see what would happen, we we did it, and now it's your turn. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. It's your turn. That and was I, great. I loved it. He, like, yeah, publicly too. calls them out. Like, show me us too. what you got. I almost thought he was going to be like, you Hollywood liberals, get your, you know, stop, right. stop practicing voodoo with Tom Cruise and John Travolta and, you know, do some justice. Do something about this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... One of the detectives who's studying Christina's case, even though he's in New York, Mm -hmm. um, he was like studying the whole essence of Carl, basically. So he was supposed to be studying Levi's death, but he it led him to the Christina stuff. So he has all these files on Christina. So he goes, gives them all to the cops in California and he offers to stay on the case. So it's like bi-coastal happenings. That's very cool. So. They bring in the original purple sweater detective, uh, Kent, who was told years ago in 1991 to drop the case. But he's not a detective, right? He's an insurance. He's an insurance yeah, investigator. Yeah, insurance investigator. Okay. Sorry. Yes. Um, 
So his his company said, we don't have the money for it. So he's so excited that they're finally looking into the murder because he has had these two boxes about that case in his basement for like 30 years that he kept just in case they were going to reopen the case or maybe he thought the kids would want to look into the death of their mother or they would want it. And if he hadn't done this, they would have nothing because everything else about that case has been thrown out over the years. He basically is like, someone's going to need this someday. Snuck it in his basement. And he, unlike Carl, doesn't set his house on fire every five years. So he still has those boxes. Amazing. Go purple sweater. So in 2014, they charge Carl with Christina's murder. And Christina's sister is really on top of them. She's pushing to make sure they extradite him from New York because that was like a whole process. And she really pushed for it. Um, He sits in California for four years until his trial began last month. This is so recent. This is so recent. Yeah. Yeah. So Jeff Arnold, I've never said his name before, but he was one of the investigators from New York. He comes out for the trial and he's so pumped to be there. He's talking to Dateline. He's like, at one point, I think he's like running across the street with coffee, like just jaunty. Like he's so happy to, that they're doing this. It's like the case of his career. Everyone seems really happy. They're like, let's get this guy. They're flying in from wherever. Oh yeah. Yes. No, let's get him. We're here. So, um, also pumped to be back in the courtroom is Carl who has lost what I would call um, the the prison 15s or the fresh meat 15s. <laughs> he is strutting into prison, feeling himself. Yeah. He is toned now and he is sans walker because apparently prison cures your back and hip debilitating yeah, more injuries. More like in prison, you get the good heroin, so... That's possible. Mm -hmm. So the prosecutor brings up Levi's death to show a pattern. And if he did this to his son, he did this to his wife. Now, what do you think? I feel like it's fine. You think they should have been able to do that? Yeah. I hate when they're not able to do that. Yeah. It drives me crazy. So there was one case where the person was arrested for an exact similar sexual assault, the exact same MO, and were also going to be charged with that like the next month. They were there going to go to trial for that, and the jury couldn't find anything out about that. But that's the norm, is that you're not allowed, you have to handle this case and this evidence on its own. So I was shocked that the judge allowed it, to be honest, because I was like, wow. But he was convicted of the Levi thing, like it's done. Is that because he pled guilty, which is right. So although I want to know everything, but I understand it's prejudicial. I feel like that's also in appeals. So I'm also surprised they were able to bring it up, even though it's in appeals. He's going through appeals for that. For Levi. Right, of course. So I'm just surprised. That's all I'm saying. That they would be Yeah, it's interesting. No, it is. And it comes up later. The defense is not happy. (laughs) They do. I just brought it up early because I was curious. Yeah. Okay. So the the detective Clear, uh, he's one of 80 detectives that we've been introducing you to. He testifies a new detail, which was that Carl had changed his story again for like the seventh time Mm -hmm. and had said that Levi had, the truck had fallen on Levi, but that Levi was still alive 
when he left for the funeral. Which is like, like worse. Let it's so he just keeps making you just left him to suffer and did nothing and you went Shaking to the other under there. Funeral? What are you doing? Oh my god. Was yeah. it like a hard start time at three for that funeral or you won't be let in? So you have to go now. Yeah, and it was like your dentist of 30 years. I don't know. What that's right. weird. Okay. So the pro who you probably also killed. So the prosecutor shows um a lot of the interrogation from New York, the one where they keep moving around the room and trying to because they brought up a lot of that stuff to try to get him to confess to either of these cases, really, and to break him, to say, like, look, we know this about the fire. Talk to us about the fire. And then it, hopefully it would lead to him confessing to Levi. So in this interrogation, they ask him when he boarded up the windows of the bathroom. And that's one of the reasons that she was trapped in the bathroom during the fire. And he says, oh, months before the fire. But Christina's sister had visited like the week before and they were not boarded up. Then Carl says he had these terrible injuries from rescuing the children and that the fire was too bad to get Christina. He says he was hit with a fireball that burned his eyelids together and burned his mustache off. Okay, we would see that, man. If your eyelids, <laughs> if your face was badly singed or burned, you would still have that face. We would, yeah, no, that's true. We, it would, no, he hasn't gotten graphic, like, reconstruction No, they have not perfected the art of skin grafts in, like, the 20 years, and you paid $40,000 to have new right. face. No. You have no damage on your face. Also, it was right after this fireball hit him that he was able to grab his son out of this. The son, unscarred by this fireball that had just come through. So, it's a little odd. Also, how are you able to see to grab your son if your eyelids were melted together. Um, don't worry about that. Also, yeah, uh, it's a secret. We yeah, can't tell you. I'm not, I can't I'll, tell you. I'll tell you I really, I honestly, I, I would if I could, but I can't I tell can't, you. Like, I cannot I've sworn, tell you. So the EMT says that when she, she's very cool, by the way, like super mellow, like earth mother type. So she says she was, he was uninjured that night. He had a few cuts and minor bruises, but nothing that required immediate treatment at all. No eyelids glued together and that he seemed too calm and it bothered her. Yes. And then they bring in other witnesses who say he was totally uninjured and he was unconcerned. That's what the, they say. Unconcerned, unconcerned about Christina in the fire. Then Christina's sister says that she asked to see her sister after the fire. Do you want to say what Carl said to her? Oh, you can't because she's a crispy critter. That is correct. Katie has not just lost her mind and said the most offensive thing possible. That is actually what Carl said to the sister of his wife. Crispy critter. So like an order at like a Cajun restaurant. I'll have the crispy critters. with On a platter. The no, platter. I will have the crispy critter platter but it's for children it's on the children's menu 14 and yeah. under yeah with the side of ranch and not the wasabi because it's too spicy the garlic aioli no not for uh, kids ketchup no ketchup so andrea's face at this is so gross yeah, she's out. upset she is so disturbed by this yeah it's really bad as everyone should be yeah. then they put this other guy on the stand and bear in mind like all of these guys are a lot older now and this was it's just been like 30 years. So it's just fun to see them all like coming back and back on the case. 
It's very cute. Um, so they, this older guy, Ken Busky, think Busky, Busky. He studies the origins of fire. So he was studied or hired by the insurance company to find out what started the fire that killed Christina. And he couldn't find it. He tried all the electronics, all the appliances, nothing started it. He sees a kerosene stain and he sees that it not in a pattern of like animals kicked over the can and it spilled, but it's a very distinctive U shape going towards the bathroom like blocking the bathroom and it has distinctive lines as if it was poured. So he had told the insurance company, just like purple shirt guy, but the insurance company paid Carl to, oh, this was an insurance company thing, $200,000. So he did get fired. There you insurance. go. That's how he there, got it. So maybe he, he does, did, did he have insurance on the wife as well? I'm not sure if he had life insurance as well. That's okay. a good question. Okay. So three weeks after he took out this policy, Christina was dead. I mean, he's <sighs> speeding up because with Levi, it was 17 days. Right. But it's still a two to three week window. He does not. Couldn't, shouldn't there be like a waiting period? Like when you sign someone up for life insurance? And I then, thought there was. I thought it doesn't take effect for a few months so that it gives you like a little more time before Oliver's going to kill you or something. You know, you get to survive a tiny bit longer and maybe find out what's happening and yeah, break like, free. Maybe I can go to Harry Potter world. Yeah. Before I die. Before, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, well, you, it, we're all going to die on June, July 22nd, the oh, 144th. You need to keep us. reminding me that because I'm going to forget and I don't yeah. want to be behind. No, I know. I don't want to be so, left behind in the rapture. <laughs> no, who does? Um, no, it's the, that's the biggest case of FOMO ever. <laughs> By the rapture. Even so, Jesus didn't want me. <laughs> I'm just sitting at home watching um, Love Boat reruns and everyone else is enjoying the rapture. Yeah. So the def the prosecution makes their closing arguments and there's a really quick shot of the judge. You know, I'm so obsessed with the judge's reactions because they're either confused or bored, but he is into it. He's but he's kind of smiling like what's he going is. on with the judge. He's like enthralled or something. I think he's like really fascinated. He's like a little kid watching a show like he can't wait to he's find out. He's almost swinging in his chair. Yes. So. Now it's the defense's turn and they say, well, it took them 28 years to put together this case because they don't have anything. Right. And then they attack poor Ken Busky, Busky. And I was mad. I was like, do not yeah, do that. I know. Let him be. Stop they that. said, well, he went to the scene weeks after the fire. Not his fault. That's just when the insurance company sent him out. But by the time he had gone out to the scene of the fire, it had already been cleaned up. And they show videos that the cousins had taken of the fire and the wreckage. And before and after, there's a lot of rubble and stuff that's been cleaned out. So the scene is contaminated. That's what they're saying. So they it's true. All right. But. Yeah. So they say there's no real evidence then. It's all circumstantial. And the defense attorneys tell Andrea that it's not fair that the jurors got to see the interrogation about Levi's death because Carl is a talker. It's not fair. Carl loves to talk. And so the jury should not have gotten to see that. And then they basically mm. try to get the jury to recuse themselves because they say if 
everyone deserves a fair trial. But if you feel after seeing things like you saw with Levi, that he maybe doesn't deserve a fair trial, then it is your duty to speak up and tell the judge that you maybe need to go home back to your families. Like This is when I wrote down, should the judge not have allowed that? Because if the defense is having to use that, it's weird. If it's they're manipulative. To, but if they're having to say that, it's not. They're saying you can't use that to base on this crime. So if you can't use that, it should never have been shown to them because there's no way that anyone is not going to be. So it's either fully allowed or not allowed. Like, does that make sense? You can't be like. I think what you're saying is since it's been allowed, they can't use the argument that it's tainted the entire jury. Correct, because it absolutely... Because that was the judge's decision. It has tainted the entire jury. It's completely tainted that jury. That they are a tainted jury. And now, but he's really trying to manipulate the jury members into recusing themselves and to being like, well, now I'm tainted. And Right, they are. So either you have to make that argument to the judge of like, your honor, this, we can't have this in, Exactly. So you should not be using that argument now. It's too late for that. It's not one. It's not six of this, one of the other, whatever that expression is. Oh, and then he tells the jury that he didn't do this in California. And just because he did this in New York, he didn't do this. Like, those are two time zones. No one does things in two different time zones. It's really frustrating because you need to just try this case. Just yeah. go for this case but and stop the talking about the other. Tried both, so it's yeah, no, out that's there. But but I'm saying like that's this defense attorney needs to just focus on the facts of this case and stop talking about that. Yeah. So focus on the fact that it's circumstantial and stop yeah. talking about the other case. Hope that they forget it. Like yeah. stop it. Hope forget what you saw. Yeah, maybe so, you won't remember. <laughs> so now Andrea is sitting down with Carl. Carl and- Carlson. Andrea Anderson. Carl Carlson, Aaron Anderson, David Davidson. He is... Chester Chestenson. (laughs) He has a, I believe it's called a Van Dyke beard, where it's shaved on the sides of your cheeks. And so it's just this lower part. And it's very tight and right and very... um, I'm sorry. He like, also has a full goatee, though. He's goatee, a full goatee too. Yes. Um, Did you and... look up Van Dyke beard? Oh yeah, yeah. But I knew what it was called already. I'm not sure if it's quite that. Um, do you mind if I look it up? I want to just see a picture really quick. Sure, go it's for it. Super manicured. For yes, it is. Each hair has been, and that's the the neatness of it gives the appearance of like a crazed millionaire. Who like runs a company, but he's secretly murdering people. It's like it's that manicured. It's so manicured. And also, yeah, it's like a trim one. You can have one that's really long and pointy in the middle, like a Frenchman, but you yeah. it's also can be tight and right. But then yeah. his also, it's the fact that he has a full head of hair still and it's like slicked back and looks like it was freshly cut. He does not look like he's in prison. Is no. this 
Is this he a fake is sitting out? In front, yes, he is sitting in front of a piece of artwork and he's wearing a nice sweater and I got very nervous. Like a, a like a merino wool sweater. A really nice, like, you know, the three button with the collar. Okay, so Andrea is going hard at Carl. She's saying mm-hmm. it is a really big coincidence that Christina died right after you got the policy. And... We've heard from many people that you weren't upset when she died. And he says, well, I was upset, but the people who saw me upset have since died. So that's unlucky for him. And also for the people that died. Um, also, did he kill those people? Mm-hmm. Um, so now we see that Andrea has been interviewing Carl during the trial while he was in prison they tricked us. Yeah, they did. Dateline, you got me again. Yeah. Pretty sneaky, sis. Yeah. Good job. They did well. Well, I haven't been fooled in a while. Mm-hmm. Fool me twice, shame on Katie. Carl we, Foolery. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> we see him walk into the interview room with Andrea, the interview room in the prison that they've made look nice. Mm-hmm. So she's sitting down. He walks into the room. He's all smiles. Like he, super charm, super, super charm, charming pants wants on waving yeah. to the camera guy like yep. just can't wait. Yep. And then Andrea does not get up to greet him. No. And he, I feel like, was expecting a warmer welcome. But I loved that she didn't stand up. But then they cut to him and you hear her saying hi very nicely. So she was still starting off with the right tone, but she was not going to stand up for him. Maybe her mic had already been done and she didn't want to like mess with it or something. Or maybe she's giving him a very subtle middle finger. Or maybe she's not going to stand up for him because he's a murderer. And also, did she say hi in the same tone of voice that she says hi to us? (laughs) No, to us, she goes, hi, very warily because we frighten her, I think. And I want her to like us. I she she does she likes all of our comments now it's my goal and she'll write back too in life she'll, she does she's she, I re, she's really been liking a lot of our comments and um saying nice things back so I think we're really good I think we've warmed up when we s- talked to her last I think I was really nervous and I kind of froze had nothing to say I just like lost all ability to make conversation. I was, she makes me very nervous. She's the queen. What are you going to do? She's the queen. Um, But so no, to Carl, it was very nice. It was like, hi. Yeah. It was like that kind of nice. Yeah. So Carl's now saying that even though I confessed to killing Levi, I didn't do it. Um, I didn't walk away from him. He, the truck hadn't fallen on him. I was, went to that funeral and I came home and I found him crushed i'm completely innocent he says he confessed because it was a nine and a half hour interview and he was in pain and he had asked them 35 times for his medication i started to get a little annoyed at this because false confessions do happen a lot they do and if someone needs medication like this reminds me of sandra melgar who clear who needed she was on medications and she needed her medications and she was interrogated she didn't confess to anything but like they're, yeah, that was a problem for me. Yeah, it was also like because it was clearly heavy pain medication. And he's like, I'm going to start to get sick. You hear him say that. And I'm like, oh, he's going to go through withdrawals, y'all. You need to give him his medicine. Also, give him his medicine. What's the problem? But this is what's confusing is that, sorry, you're probably going to get to it right now. No, go ahead. No, just that he's there by his own free will. The detectives he is. said he could leave. 
that's true. They said, you know, the deal, like you can ask for a lawyer and you don't have to talk, but he does keep talking. But I mean, I'm not Brandon Dassey did not know that he could leave, even though he could leave. Correct. I think this Um, guy, I don't know if this guy. They pretty clearly said, but then it's nine hours later. You don't maybe remember that they said you could leave and you start to feel trapped. I think. I think maybe. I'm not saying at all that this was a false confession, but the circumstances make me uncomfortable. Or they might say something like if he says, okay, I think I'm done for the day. They might say something like, okay, well, then we're going to need you back here at 8 a.m. And he's just like, okay, let's get this done. I do not want to come back. So we don't know if that happened, too. That's tricky. Ugh. Okay, go ahead. It's But he meant if he really did 35 times, he's a liar. He lies a lot about his eyelids and stuff. But it sounds to me like his lawyer went through the tape and counted the number of times he asked or referenced his medication and that he needed it. Right. Yeah. That's a problem. So 35 times because Brendan Dassey, it was like 60 times. He said, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. And they just kept saying, you did it. You did it. You did it. And like they counted the number of times and it was like 60 something. And it like makes you sick because right. it's like, you see how that happens. Right. Anyways, I think he's full of poop and he's a murderer, but I, this confession does make me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, he, so then he says to this Andrea. This is why I was saying so hard about that. I didn't think the confession should be. That's why I'm like kind of playing devil's advocate on that point. You see that, right? Because I think there it's problematic. There's some problematic stuff in this trial about the original fire. And I wanted them to go about it the right way. Because I think that this has the makings of being able to have a conviction Catholic. thrown out. Right. Yeah. No, you're right. Okay. You're totally right. Go uh-huh. Um. So then he said, Andrea's like, you confessed to killing your son because you, you know, were in this interrogation. And he says to Andrea, is this the point that got you? Yes, this is the point that got me. He says to Andrea, until you're being interrogated, lady, you have no idea. You know what, Carl? I have one thing to say to you. Andrea is a lady. And that's the only thing you're not lying about. But also. How dare you? I'm going to kick you right in the Becky's protege if you ever speak to my queen that way again. How about that? I sir? see I see what he was doing, but it made me exclaim. I said, no. <laughs> we I, do not. I'm not Because ki- he says, until you're in these shoes, comma, lady, you have no idea. So he's... He's pos- trying to be like... He's trying to do that... Colloquial? That gumshoe talky, like that lady, you gotta da-da-da. Like, he's... I see what you're doing, but the where his comma is placed is specifically calling Andrea lady. And it's a, it's a down talk. It's like a condescension. And... No, thank you, she's, Lord. She's in charge here. Yeah. Take a seat. You're in prison. God, I hate him. Yeah, it's so, not good. Andrea then says, well, no dad would say they killed their son no matter what. I don't want to disagree with precious unicorn Queen Andrea. You think a dad might? It has happened before. Yeah. So there's a case of a girl, Riley Fox. But that's not... And it's a fascinating case. That's not what she says, though, exactly. She says, I think all the dads watching out there would find it hard to believe. So she's careful about it. She is careful. She's saying all the dads at home are probably thinking... No, I could never right. do that. Exactly. Um, so but then Andrea says well, the people at home think you're speaking gobbledygook. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I loved it. He's like she's like, if he's hitting me with a lady, then I'm, I'm going to hit him, him with, with a gobbledygook. gobbledygook. Yeah. <laughs> so he says 
the weirdest thing then. He says, don't believe what comes out of my mouth. Believe what I can prove to you in government documents. Yeah, I loved that. I was like, like, oh my God. Don't worry, Carl. No one's believing what comes out of your mouth. But what he's talking about is the death certificate that says that Levi died when Carl was at the funeral that day. Detective Clear says that those times were educated guesses. They never did the actual test to say what time they thought the body died. And um, there were no autopsies done. So we're on a slippery slope here, right? Because the lawyers are going to say that the time of death is correct, et cetera, et cetera. It's going to be hard for a someone who gave the time of death, whoever that is, the coroner. Because then if the coroner says we don't really know, every case the coroner has done with time of death can be called into question when he... Do you see what I'm saying? We are in... We are in problematic area, which is why I'm worried about all these cases in appeals. Right. Uh-huh. Like, Absolutely. This is we, all We don't scary want to see to him walk free. Yeah. Yeah. So Andrea is going at him hard. She's like, your wife and then your son and you're the beneficiary. Is that just bad luck? Is that coincidence? And he says, what would you call it? And she says, I want to hear what you have to call it. I love it. that. She flips it right around. Right around. Right around. Him. Yeah. So good. And he says, well, I would say that I had a barn fire and horses died. And she says, well, I was going to bring that up, too. So good. She's just like hammering it. Because he's like, I've had so many tragedies. I've had so many. You have no idea what my life is like. Like he uh goes on and on and then brings up the barn fire. And she's like, yeah, we know about that. We know about the barn fire. We're going to ask you about that. Yeah. So then he calls him. She calls him out on the crispy critter comment. And he says he doesn't think he said it, but maybe with the stress that was going on and Andrea is so good. She says, what I would hope for in this situation is that I ask that question and someone says immediately, I never said that. There's no way I would ever say such a thing. And you're saying, maybe I did say it. And he says, well, I was on Valium at the time. Hopped up on Valium. Yeah. Maybe. I don't really know what I said. Um, But Andrea is so good because she's like, I am so deeply offended because my faith in humanity would have me say that my interviewee would say there's absolutely no way. Yeah. I said that. I I know myself. I would never. And you're saying, yeah, it's possible. Like that. Those words were in your vocabulary to say. So. Carl's family has not stood by him. None of his kids. Wow. His brother. They're all against him. Yeah. And um, he feels sorry for the kids because of the trouble that the trials have caused. Like. Um, I kind of figured to, he might say that. I having was like, to fly in the press and stuff like yeah, that. Not the but deaths he didn't do all it. around them. Yeah. Not the deaths. Just the troubles that the trials have caused. Of course. Um, the jury finds him guilty. So Christina's family finally gets justice and next month he will be sentenced, which is very exciting. Mm -hmm. So before we go into B-roll, et cetera, I just want to say this episode is dedicated to our beloved Fizz slash Liz. (gasps) She's been a Patropod for a long time now. She is, she coined it a Patropod and I'm going to let her have that one. Absolutely. um, Begrudgingly. But she's doing amazing right now. Um, She's still working hard to free her mom, Sandra Melgar. And she actually has these really exciting prospects that she's doing in her life. Like, very exciting. We're also going to do a lunch very soon. We're planning a lunch, the three of us. Can't wait. Um, So I just want to say thank you. We love you. She's my hero. She's awesome. Thank you, Fizz. And we love you, Fizzy. Um, 
Also, your name is Liz, and I do know that. Um, also, Katie has had a banner week. She spoke at a conference about technology and podcasting, and she was on These Are Their Stories and crushed it. No. So, bravo. Eh. You can't edit this part out. Eh. Okay, that's you, a good Do you sound. know what I'm thinking of? Do you remember that part when Chip in the office is mad because Danny Cordray comes in? Yes. And uh, Pam is like, you know I have oh, a child yes. with you, you know right? I have a child and with goes, you, and he's like, nah. Like nah. that? Nah. That sound? That's yes. maybe my favorite Jim moment in the office. It's, like, it's really funny. Because he's you get twiddling it. with his wedding ring at the he's same kind time. Of, he's kind yeah. of like, it means nothing that we have a child. Like, yeah. No, uh-huh. I'm super yeah. jealous. It's really it's so funny. good. <laughs> That's the sound. I love it. Yeah. Um, so B-Roll Bonanza. We have Cindy looking through photo albums with her little doggy. Which someone on Twitter was like, you upgraded, Cindy. That dog is way better than Carl. Um, There's a shot of Cindy on the phone pretending to be on the phone for her B-roll. So she's pretending to talk on the phone. And then the camera sneaks by her really low and peers over at her over this like wall partition thing like a countertop. It's like she's the camera spying on her. The camera is moving, like walking towards her. It's the weirdest B-roll. It's like a day I've in the life. Seen. That's weird. It's I don't know about so that. It's so funny. Hmm. It's like she's on the real world or something, and they're trying to capture her having a very private conversation. Hmm. It's so funny. Um, did you not notice that we had almost every single interviewed person in the show a car shot with them? Almost every single one. I would say maybe there's two that we Anyone don't have. Anyone that it. was either in law enforcement and or fire. And- had was a car. in a vehicle and at then some point. Cindy was in a car multiple times. We we had everyone, but I think Alex was not in a car. And I don't know. No, if we Alex got, got one sentence. The sister is not in a car. Colette. Is no, not the sister in a car. walks, right. I believe, in her B-roll. Um, there's also a photo of Carl in a lawn chair with a white tank top. Oh, yeah, there with is a lot of gray chest hair coming out. There's also a very strange still shot of him in court where he's smiling like a bobo. Like, whoa. I'm telling you, these expressions are so weird. I think he's drugged. I'm not kidding. I think he's highly medicated in court. Highly medicated. Trying to get a manager still and trying to show his range. I don't know. I think he got it's, the good stuff. He looks like <laughs> way too happy to be there. Like the <laughs> epidural stuff. Um, okay, so let's do what else do you have? Any other any other side pieces besides titles? Brands unhappy being on Dateline, Barnes, um, ducks. I mean, ducks. All the ducks. Horses, marriage, <laughs> trust, fidelity, parents. All of the virtues. Fathers. Yeah. Children. Everything. Maybe beer steins. They had a lovely beer stein collection that was behind them in a family photo, and I was like, "Oh, that's nice." And then, what happened to those? Probably went up Ooh. in a fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In a fire sale. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that's horrible um fashion police andrea's just flawless blue jacket pink jacket pink top over the years what was the the jacket in prison was it a dark purple leather or was it black leather i couldn't tell if it was i like thought it what was I blue was... leather okay so maybe it was i it on looked... my tv it looked blue okay it was neat i thought it looked Neat. It was a it's, good prison jacket. It's she. She has the best outfits for every occasion. Yeah, she's ready. She's except good. for the sweat bees. 
because that would have been a pants situation she had she had known. She didn't know. She didn't know. Nobody yeah, knew. She didn't know. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing, I don't know if you noticed, Fashion what? Police. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to cry. Um, Christina's mother, who we don't really get to talk to, maybe we talked to for a split second. We mm-hmm. talked to her father. Um, she's married to someone else now. Um, she and her husband wear matching outfits to trial. Oh, I didn't see that. Twice. And then on Twitter, Dateline producers said they wore them every single day. They wore matching outfits. So at one point, they're walking into court and Are she's they coordinated wearing, outfits? No, I'm saying like they're wearing the same plaid jacket, the same color yellow shirt, the same color khaki pants, like a male and woman's version, but it's like the same. Do they- and they did that. Every day. Was that just for court or do they do that every day? I, I would love to know. I did read once about a couple that was married for like 50 years and they wore matching outfits every single day. The woman, um, they were like in their 80s. And oh, no, there's, like a, an article there's a bunch of older magazine. couples that do it. It's adorable. I, I plan on doing it. In like, do you? Yeah, in about 20 years. Oh, yeah, we've talked about it because I've seen coordinating things. And he's like, yeah, we could do that. And I was like, yeah. Could you do it at CrimeCon? I shan't. No. No. Are you going to coordinate with me at CrimeCon? I shall. Okay. We can all three coordinate. Triple. Okay. Triplets. Sure. Okay. So, um, t- titles. Yeah. Mine are bad. No, they're not. This barn is on fire. Okay. Um, Lady and the Creep. Okay. Instead of Lady and the Tramp. Yeah. Because he calls her Lady. Yeah. Um, Duck, Duck, Gobbledygook. Goose. Hey, there we go. Duck, duck, gobbledygoose. Something like that. Yeah, like it. And I was trying to play around with wild horses and wild fires, but I couldn't get there. Okay. And then I felt bad about doing it, so I stopped. That's good. That's probably the best. Even though you what did about? This Barn is on Fire and stole that from me because I did that. about. Did you do it earlier in the show? No, I did it two years ago. Was there another barn that was on fire? There was something else that was on fire, but I did this. I think it was Car. But you wouldn't have remembered that. But actually, you did it earlier in the show with Alicia Keys. It was you that did it. It was you. You copied yourself. The copy was coming from inside the house. (laughs) The copy was coming from inside the notes. (laughs) Um, So I did, I tried to do a policy of murder for insurance policies. Mm -hmm. Um, I did Kill Killerson. You're welcome. I like it. Uh-huh. I like it a lot. And then I did one. Oh, I wanted to get somewhere with Brady evidence because of the braids. <gasps> oh. <laughs> I tried. And then this the is... The twines of justice. This... Not twines. What do you call the three strands? It's the strands of justice. There we go. We can do that. Are intertwined. Are braided. Are braided. Okay, it's fine. Okay, whatever. Um, I was trying to go with Brady. You know what Brady is, right? Brady discovery. Yes. Okay. Um. So here's the one that... I did for you. He burns horses, doesn't he? <gasps> That's like one of my favorite movies and books of all time. I know it is. I did it for you. And I was really hoping you wouldn't get there. I thought you might. And I was like, oh, she's going to get it. She's going to get it. And you didn't get it. I got it. I got you. No one has any idea what we're talking about. No, if you don't know what they shoot horses, don't they is now, you know, That's what it's, it's a movie with Jane Fonda yeah. and um, Michael uh Sarazan and it's terribly he's, sad. He's it's incredibly depressing. 
He is so handsome in that movie. He is. And I read the book, too, and I used to, like, have the movie on tape. I don't know why. It is the saddest movie ever. You had me watch it. I liked it. Yeah. It's a good movie. But anyways. It's a really good movie. I knew I would get you. I was so glad. I didn't. I thought you might think of it. No, I didn't. Yes. Well done. Okay. Um, thank you, everybody. Thank you for following us on Wait, no twi- Twitter? Oh, I'm sorry. I totally forgot. That's all I care <laughs> I about. I was just going to wrap up. Sweet Lord. Um, okay. Samantha Ronnie said, mm-hmm. didn't Cindy get her blood tested when she didn't feel well? Like for arsenic. And I was like, my oh, blown. Snap. I didn't even consider that. Who said that? Samantha Ronnie. Samantha underscore Ronnie. Oh, speaking of Samantha, thank you. Think it's you. like Sam Ronnie. No, thank you. Shout out to Samantha from Project Runway. Samantha Ray. Thank yeah. you so much for my lipstick. I love it. I got a little present and I got very excited. Thank you. It's gorgeous. And I watch her on Hulu Project Runway season 16. season sixteen with the twins. Yeah. You're not ready. Yeah. Just get ready to be angry. Not at Samantha. No, Samantha's delightful. There's other people that are going to make you angry, and you'll see why. Okay, I'm not going to spoil it. She designed a lipstick for you. That's, she designed it? Yes. Did you think it was just a random lipstick? I thought it was just a lipstick. She wrote me six months ago and was like, I'm going to design a lipstick for Katie. That is stunning. I'm going to start crying. She's awesome. Oh, my God. Oh my I just, God. I did say you're going to get a gift at this event. I did. And I got a lipstick, but I didn't know she designed it. It's sweet enough that it's the lipstick. It's like crazy sweet that she designed it. And now I'm upset and I'm sweating. Oh, that's very sweet. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. So, okay. So, but isn't that so smart of this other Samantha, Samantha yes. Ronnie? Other Samantha, you're totally good. That was she could amazing. Be, Cindy might have been being poisoned. Yeah. Like legitimately. Very astute. I like it. Yeah. Um, she also said, you know who makes a nice couple? Cindy and Carl's brother. I thought that too. I liked Carl. I thought he, I gave him MVP. I really thought that he was the good brother. I was like, there's the bad brother and the good brother. Mike's got all the good genes. Some people thought he was smiling too much during sad times, but I think he's a nice guy. I think that's his nature. Yeah. I'm all right with Um, him. Jeff Modzalewski. Hi, Jeff. Nailed it. Um, Jake from State Farm is probably sick of cutting Carl's checks. <laughs> Khakis. Yeah. <laughs> um, Rayford512 said, recorder tucked under her bra. Talk about underwire. There we go. There we. Oh, my God. I'm upset. I know. It, like, takes you a second. And then no, you're like, it didn't that's take brilliant. me a second. Why didn't I think of it? I, that's a mad one. Good job. Yeah. But I'm furious yeah. now. Um, okay, so then there were a lot of tweets about what people wanted to happen to Carl. So people were getting very creative. Oh, my. Ravens said, Carl had such an evil soul to do that to his son. An eye for an eye. Put him under a truck in the barn and then blaze him. Ooh. Sherry said, Carl married again. And good news, he doesn't have to learn how to braid hair now. Wow. That was probably in their wedding vows. Yeah. I promise to braid your children's hair for you. Um, Samantha Ronnie again said, can we get some horses to stampede over Carl? There we go. The ghost. Yeah. You're being haunted by horse ghosts, by the way. Mm-hmm. That's not going to be pleasant. Mm-hmm. Ergo said, he just reminded me of that dad who faked having his kid in the hot air balloon to get a TV show. Oh, yeah. What was that? The hot air balloon dad seems they have a similar vibe. What was that? 
When did that happen? Was that a while ago? That was a while ago. I feel like it was early 2010s, like, or maybe even earlier. Or he's up there. It was something scary. He's up there, devastated for the cameras, crying. And then it was like totally a scam because he he was hoping to get a TV show of some sort. What kind of a TV show? The kid was like hidden in the barn again, a barn. I get, but like, what kind of TV show was he hoping to get? I have, well, they did a lot of videos for YouTube of like, I want to say like weather chasing, you know, those like storm chasers. Oh, yeah. I feel like they did experiments on their channel, weather, sciencey stuff. So maybe I don't like he, that. So, something was going on there. Gross. Yeah. Uh, Felicia said, I am not medically trained, but pretty sure a Valium wouldn't make you say your dead wife is a crispy critter. And you'd also say it like crispy critter. <laughs> so you didn't, no, you didn't say that. Sherry said, for no reason I can explain, Carl's carefully manicured facial hair disturbs me. Yeah, it's too neat for prison. How is he getting it that neat? Great question. He's got little tiny pinking shears in there. They can't have those in prison. You no, can't have can't. little baby shears in prison. Her, his lawyers like snuck him, just did it in the hallway and they left the hair all over. They didn't sweep it up or anything. I'm wondering if he said, I'll go on Dateline if I can have, I want a barber. I want a barber before. And they had the barber in there with like the brush. The brush. Yeah. And the, 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 the straight razor. Oh, and then he made the comment about, you could just cut my neck right now. Couldn't you, Charlie? I like, it's more personal and messy. No, physical. It's physical and messy. Sherry said, again, Sherry, I have had so many good MVP people. He just called Andrea lady. Good day, sir. With the gif of Kelly from The Office saying, I have a lot of questions. Number one, how dare you? Yes, that's my favorite. Number one, how dare you? (laughs) S. Melly said, oh, no, he didn't just call Andrea lady. That might have been the biggest breach of Dateline etiquette that I've ever heard. What say you date Dateline? Well, I think we've said it, S. Melly. The fire and the fury, except we don't burn horses. We burn effigies for his dead, rotting soul. Because I feel like if he gets possessed by a ghost of a horse, he'll look down at his arm one day in prison and the word lady will just appear scrawled in blood like like a stigmata. It'll just come out of his skin spelling out lady. You know, I hope he gets kicked by a horse. I, You know what? That would be perfect justice, getting kicked in the chest by a horse. How his son was crushed by the car if he gets kicked in the, in, by a ghost horse. And then horse. lit on fire. Yeah, into a fireplace. Kicked backwards in the chest by a horse into a fireplace. Nailed it. That's All right. perfect. All right. Uh, Dr. CCC, I don't know if it's doctor, but I'm going to say it is. Okay. Um, said... Date Dateline isn't going to be happy that Carl called Andrea Lady. I love that people just know and that they're watching and immediately going, Katie and Kimberly are going to be pissed. I'm pissed. Because it's not the good kind of lady. It's not like the sticks kind of lady. Like, lady, yeah. when you're with me, I'm smiling. Uh, Lindsay Bunnell said, a duck farmer appearing on the Food Network Canada. What a hot shot. I get why the fame was getting to his head. M is for Mitten, said Carl Carlson. What a monster. They should cover him in breadcrumbs and allow his ducks to attack him. Oh, my God. That's funny. I told you people are, like, coming up with torture devices. What, what sound does a duck make? You do the duck all the time. No, the but Donald that's duck. Donald duck. That's... But, like, what sound does a real duck make when it comes quack. at you? Quack, quack. 
don't is that know. a goose that's the loud one? Oh, that's a goose. That's that a might goose. be a duck too. That's not a little ducky. A goose is bigger, has a longer neck, and is much more vicious because one attacked my brother once. So everyone, follow us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. There are many of you that listen but don't follow. And maybe you're not on social media, but maybe you are and you just haven't followed us. And we have really fun times. Subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, please. And write something and it really helps us out. And if you become a member of our Patreon community, you can help us produce these episodes every week that everyone gets to enjoy. And we cannot thank you enough. And you can also hear our uh, our mini series that's happening now on 90 Day Fiance. If you're into yes. that show, that is available on Patreon. Also, if you decide to come to CrimeCon this year, consider using our code to purchase your ticket, which is date, dateline 20. Date, no. date, date 2020. Yes. Yes. Our code is date 2020 for... 10% off your ticket. Correct. And it also helps us out a lot. So come to Florida or if you live in Florida, just pop by for the yeah. day or for the weekend. Come to um, Orlando. You can come alone. I, you're not supposed to watch alone, but you can come alone yes. to CrimeCon because there'll be lots of listeners for you to hang out with and it'll be really fun. Absolutely. So um, thank you. And uh, don't watch alone. Watch with all your ducks in a row. Whoa. I like it. We Thanks. hadn't we hadn't used it yet. I know. Nailed it. Yes, but stay away from barns. I'm yeah, just maybe, gonna say maybe think twice. Don't watch it in a barn or with a radio nearby because apparently they are explosive. Oh my gosh, that's the worst thing. Spark. <laughs> Bye, Bye everybody. everybody. Old Sparky. I also took the time to look up which characters on the children's game Guess Who that he resembled. And I found that he is a mix of David, Philip, and Richard, i.e. Richard Richardson, Philip Philipson, and David Davidson. David, Philip, Richard. Well, you're just going to have to look up a Guess Who game, like on eBay or something. Richard. You see it? I don't see Philip at all. I see Richard for sure. And I see, you don't think Robert? Okay. Maybe Robert. Okay, interesting. I see this. I like that too. Let's do this in the future. Although this could get real difficult. I actually did a side-by-side of somebody. Maybe we should put this on the website. Yeah. Although there's a lot of white people in here. We need some more diversity in Guess Who. Is there a more diverse version of Guess Who? There's newer, but it's not the one that we were raised on with new people. And that I don't know them. Okay, well, apologies. So, this is unfortunate. All right, go ahead. It is, yeah, unfortunately a little bit... Um, white-leaning. White-leaning. Um, hashtag guess who so white. <laughs> Are you okay? There? <laughs> you know when they do hashtag Oscars so hashtag white? Hashtag guess who's not woke. <laughs> so... I really like that game. I want to play it again. Um, it's so, just a matching game, isn't it? No, you no, no, no. It's not a memory no, game. No, no. It's oh. you're sitting with the people facing you, and the person has to guess. They do do. You have to go. Do they have glasses? And then the person says yes or no, and then you 
mark down the people who don't have glasses. It's going to be over in 10 seconds. Well, not if you're a child. We'll play with a child then. I can't play that with you. You got to play that. I even think Sienna's too old for that. The girl you babysit's too old for that too. If you're listening, you're too old for that. Don't play that with Kimberly. <laughs> She's probably listening. Yeah. I know she is. Don't don't play that, girl. Don't play that with Kimberly. You're too old for that game. Play a different game. <laughs> 